What's up, everyone? My name is Mark Heineman, and I'm with Young Professionals and Energy's Denver chapter. But I'm recording this intro at about 4.30 in the morning in a rental car in southeast New Mexico, where we are, you guessed it, fracking. <laughs> this is how American energy's made, baby! Woo! But that's uh, not what today's episode's about. We'll save that topic for another time. Today's episode is about leadership and career strategy. So first, a quick note. If you can't tell from the interviews that we've released so far, we don't have a standard host for the show, and that's on purpose. We want to have young professionals and energy host the show to give them an opportunity to practice interfacing with successful executives and industry leaders. We're very open to having other YPE members act as co-hosts, so if you're interested in co-hosting, know of someone you'd like to talk to but don't know how to get in touch with them, feel free to reach out to us. Leverage this platform to your benefit. For this episode, my good friend Carolyn Luca co-hosts with me. She did a fantastic job coming up with interesting questions on the fly, improvising, and making our guests feel super comfortable and welcomed. So, with that, we'd like to introduce Christina Burnett. She's a licensed professional engineer and an executive coach based out of Denver. Uh, she has a great message to share with young professionals on the importance of recognizing and developing leadership skills and how it can affect your career and the bottom line of your company. She also has a great story to share about how and why she arrived in her current role as an educator in leadership uh, after a 10-year journey through the oil and gas industry as a reservoir engineer, working for Encana, Noble, Bonanza Creek, etc. Uh, you'll love her passion on the topic, and we had a great time interviewing her. Hope you enjoy the show. Professionals and Energy. Um, we're here today with Christina Burnett. Uh, my name is Mark Heineman, and we have our new co-host, Carolyn Luca. Christina, Hi. Carolyn, how are you guys doing? Great. Good. How are you? Excellent. So Christina is an uh, ex-petroleum engineer, uh, but a professional engineer in the space. So uh, we have that in common, or her and I do. And um, She's recently made a career shift into uh, demonstrating or coaching and training for leadership in the industry. So we thought that she'd be really fun to have on. Um, but Christina, before we get into kind of what you're working on now, why don't you give us a, a little bit of background on your early career in energy? Where did you go to school? What did you work for? What was it, what was it like being an engineer, uh, et cetera? Yeah. So thanks, you guys, for having me on today. I'm super excited to be here, um, spend some time with you guys today. So thanks again for having me. Um, so I went to the University of Wyoming, so go Pokes. I graduated um, with my degree there in chemical engineering because my thought originally was that I wanted to go to med school. But my last summer, when I was still in college, I did an internship with Encana and um, really enjoyed the experience. And so I ended up entering into uh, oil and gas. So my first job was actually with Encana when they were still called Encana. I entered into their new grad program and uh, did the rotations there. And so um, 
Yeah, that's kind of how I got started in industry. I think that maybe it was kind of inevitable for me to end up in industry because my dad um, was a petroleum engineer for Marathon for many, many years. And um, certainly he was always a great example of a true leader and a leader with integrity within the energy space. And so I think that really inspired me um, along my path too. So that's a little bit about how I kind of started out in the industry. Awesome. And when when did you start at Indiana? I started in 2009. I had to think about it. And then when, when did you leave? We might have overlapped just a little bit. Oh, yeah. So I was there about four years and then I went to work for Noble. Yeah. Yeah. Right of passage to, in Denver to have worked for uh, in Canada from, yeah, like 2005 to, to the present. So that's awesome. Did we overlap? Were you there in that? Just, I, I was there in 2013. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, can you tell us what it was like working as a professional engineer in the energy industry? Yeah, so I um, I got my PE in 2014, I believe. So again, kind of going back to the story with my dad, uh, I know having a PE in the energy industry isn't super common, and it became a bit more relevant after Macondo, and I think they started requiring PEs to sign off on offshore casing designs and things like that. Um, but it was just kind of a professional achievement that I wanted to have because my father has his PE. And so, uh, I ended up getting my license and that was, that was awesome. Um, and I really enjoyed my time working in the energy industry. I worked in the industry in various different roles from production engineering, reservoir engineering, uh, predictive analytics within oil and gas for 12 years and um, had a lot of great experiences, met a lot of great people. I met my husband in the industry when we were interns at Encana, so I'm super grateful for that. Um, and it was great. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, my time in that space. I learned a lot and I was fortunate enough to meet a lot of really good people. Do you feel like the accreditation of professional engineer uh, in the energy industry is uh, helpful? Um, I guess help garner respect or gain additional opportunities. And if there's other engineers uh, that are thinking about um, getting licensed, would you recommend it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I do think that it is helpful because I think to an extent, um, since so few people in the industry have their PE, it does help you uh, kind of set yourself apart from the rest of the pack, especially if you're applying for new jobs, which we all know is a crazy competitive environment right now. And so um, I would definitely recommend you know, if people are thinking about it to make the time investment and go ahead and get your PE. The other thing that I think is super beneficial about it, at least for me, most of my experience within the industry is on the production engineering and reservoir engineering side. But when I took the PE, which was a while ago, so I know it's changed, um, but it was very heavily focused on drilling and operations. And so for me, just preparing to take the test and learning all of these new um, skills and things that I wasn't familiar with, I hadn't applied within my career, was helpful for me because I felt like it enabled me to become a more well-rounded engineer. And so I think for those two reasons, to become more well-rounded and for the learning experience, but then also to kind of... Um, maybe set yourself apart a little bit, I definitely would recommend uh, people obtaining their license. 
Yeah, I had a similar experience. It's it can be very easy, especially in larger companies, to be siloed and not gain exposure to uh, other disciplines. And you know, you're kind of working on your niche. And people say, "Yeah, learn on the job," and that's that's very true. But yeah, uh, being forced to study and understand what all disciplines exist within an industry can be very broad. And so yeah, getting, gaining licensure um, can help with that process. Absolutely. So, so a couple steps forward, I guess, why, why did you leave the energy industry? Yeah, so um, in 2020, I was laid off, uh, like probably a lot of people uh, were in 2020. And so I guess a message of encouragement, maybe for anyone listening who finds themselves in a similar situation, um, you know, I just want to give you guys some hope and encouragement if you find yourself in the same situation that I did in April of 2020. Um, because I ended up losing my job and then I was trying to figure out what path I wanted to take next. And there's actually this quote, it says, you can never cross the ocean unless you lose sight of the shore. And for me, that really applied to my journey in 2020 because losing that job enabled me to start this new journey, which has been awesome and really, really fulfilling. But I guess maybe I should back up a little bit uh, to kind of give you guys a bigger picture of how I ended up doing this leadership training. So in 2019, when I was still employed at my last company, I kind of stumbled upon uh, this gentleman through a podcast, actually, um, and his name's John Maxwell. And um, he was being interviewed by someone on a podcast and everything he said just totally resonated with me. He's talking about leadership and valuing people and leaders that are outward focused instead of inward focused. And I was like, yes, this guy is so on point with everything he has to say. And so I read some of his books and I did a little bit more digging and he actually has a leadership certification program. So you can become certified through the John Maxwell team and then um, teach or train on um, his material. And so I started through that certification process in 2019. And my original thought was that I would use the learnings within my capacity in my existing role at my company. And then in 2020, when that role came to an end, I had to do some real uh, kind of soul searching and figure out what I wanted to do next. I was thinking, do I want to try to find another job in the industry? Do I want to just stay home with my four-year-old daughter because she's awesome? Or do I want to go all in on this leadership training and leadership certification? And um, the leadership training was something that was really on my heart and something that I've been passionate about for a long time. And so I decided to go for it. And that's kind of how I ended up um, exiting technical roles within the industry, but then starting my own business and um, kind of contributing to industry in a different way, really helping people to grow and develop as leaders and grow with intention. So that's a little bit about my path and how I ended up where I'm at now. What's it like working for yourself? Oh, it's, uh, it's awesome. I mean, definitely, uh, Starting your own business uh, is a humbling experience, and that is not something I realized 
going into it. But for me personally, it's been amazing because it allows me to work on content and projects that I'm super passionate about. Um, and it gives me a lot of flexibility to be with my daughter and spend more time with her, you know, than I did kind of her first four years of life. So um, it's been awesome. But yeah, being an entrepreneur definitely has its highs and lows for sure. I love that. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, so I, I connect with that uh, a lot. You know, yeah. So in in this new venture, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your, your new company and what kind of services you guys offer. And uh, I see you know, on your website, you've got um, that you offer training, coaching, speaking, what, what all goes into those things? Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned before, I'm certified by a company called the John Maxwell team. And, um, just for anyone who's not familiar with John Maxwell, um, he's an older gentleman who's been doing leadership training and leadership development for years and years and years, like 40, 50 plus years. Um, you know, he's written a lot of amazing books He's been ranked by, you know, different organizations. Inc. Magazine is the number one expert in leadership. And so that's a little bit about John for those of you maybe not familiar with him. But um, so I completed my certification with that team. And so I utilize John Maxwell's materials and I couple it with my own material, which tends to be heavily focused towards kind of the analytical data-driven individual because that's where my background is um, within the engineering space. And I kind of couple that content. And just like you said, Mark, I provide leadership training um, to individuals or organizations that can look different for different companies. It can be an hour-long lunch and learn or maybe a more intense, you know, multi-week program. I also provide um, executive coaching which is more leadership training or personal growth on a one-on-one -on -one, uh, level, which is super awesome, super rewarding. And then uh, speaking engagements, whether that, again, that's you know a short workshop or a longer engagement, but um, those are kind of the services I offer and a little bit what that looks like with the Christina Burnett company. That's really cool. I, I personally love leadership and I, I think it's very helpful and necessary uh, throughout industry. But why, why are these things important to young professionals? You know, you say that you couple the, your content with, sounds like John Maxwell or your certification for, for leadership training. Why, why is it important that those things are coupled? Why should uh, young professionals in the energy industry care about leadership? I, uh, what I've uh, observed in my time in the industry is often in technical industries, I mean, whether that's oil and gas or, or the tech space or what have you, uh, individuals get promoted to the next level based on technical skills. But the skills that we need to be successful at the next level of our career are not the same skills that got us there. So our technical skills, while that is absolutely important, leadership skills, they're a separate skill set. They require their own development and their own training. And again, you know, if you want to get to the next level in your career, what got you there initially is not what's going to keep you there. And so that's why leadership training, 
personal development, you know, coaching is so super important, especially for young professionals within the space to embrace some of these things early. I mean, you're going to get yourself ahead in terms of your personal and professional development if this is something that you're aware of and that you're actively tackling early in your career. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to me because there's been a couple of studies on this. There's one by Career Builder, there's been one by Forbes, but close to around 60% of individuals, and this is not specific to oil and gas, so this is just across all industries, but 60% of individuals that are promoted into management roles receive no management training which just blows my mind because again, it's a whole new skill set that you need to effectively communicate with people and connect with people and, and manage people. And so if you are able to start developing these skills with intention, you'll be able to expand your leadership influence and really the sky's the limit. Yeah, I feel like I've been reading uh, self-help books and management books uh, and really empathy books, right? And, Emotional intelligence 2.0, I think, is one of one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, because it's a skill set that's not taught, especially for uh, technical disciplines or disciplines that uh, require a lot of analysis and uh, technical knowledge uh, to be successful in, in, like you said, initial roles. And as people progress throughout their careers, um, yeah, it's weird. They don't get the training, right? They just suddenly are, are expected to be managers. And it's like, wow, you're good. You were good at doing that other job. So surely you'll be good at this job. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And I love that you brought up. Um, so I'm a huge uh, consumer of those types of books as well. I, I own the Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book um, as well. But there's studies out there. There's actually a study by Corn and Ferry that links um, leadership emotional intelligence levels to company financials. And you certainly see trends that the leaders that tend to be more emotionally intelligent lead more financially successful companies. And so it's crazy. It matters. The way that we lead and the way that we interact with people and the cultures that we create within our companies absolutely matter. So in organizations that have management with that have better uh, emotional intelligence and better empathy skills, uh, you're saying that there's studies that have demonstrated that those companies are more successful overall. Yeah, exactly. The one I'm specifically referring to, um, like I mentioned, it's by Corn and Fury, but what they did was they essentially um, surveyed a bunch of different leaders across Fortune 500 companies, and they identified um, emotional intelligence blind spots. And so the companies that had leaders that had fewer blind spots, so they were overall more emotionally intelligent, they yeah. had higher um, percentage growth in their stock price than the companies that didn't. And so certainly these metrics actually do tie to company financials in a big way. And it's just really interesting when you start looking at it um, kind of from a data or analytics perspective as well. Nice. I love that. So as a very young person, I know that it's been really impactful for me this last year to be in the office and interacting with more senior people and learning from them. I know some of my peers haven't been quite so fortunate and have been working at home. Um, do you have any advice for people who maybe haven't gotten those interactions in the office and how they can develop that going forward? Oh, yeah, that's a great that's a great question. And I love that you brought up 
um, how you've taken those opportunities to learn from other people, because that would be one of my biggest pieces of advice to young engineers or young geologists uh, within the industry is to find a mentor. Find someone who is further ahead, further along than you are, someone that you can really learn from. And it can be someone within the industry. It can be someone outside of the industry. Um, but find a mentor. And if that's maybe something that you're struggling with or you're not sure how to connect with the right person, you can reach out to me and I'm happy to, to help you out or to put you in touch with someone in my network. But I think finding a mentor um, as a young professional can be hugely important for your career development. Finding a mentor was really, really helpful for me early in my career. Uh, and not just one mentor, but finding multiple people. And actually, with, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite questions to ask people uh, were, you know, looking back, people that are seasoned in their career, what looking back, uh, if you could give your 25-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, <laughs> you'd be surprised some of the responses, uh, some of them inappropriate and some of them uh, less appropriate. <laughs> um, but so I, I like that. Find a mentor. You know, we've recommended a couple of books. Um, what are some other, I guess, actionable things that folks or young professionals in the industry can, can do to uh, change their influence and change, improve their leadership ability? Do you have any, any tips for our listeners? So yeah, like we just talked about, uh, certainly finding a mentor, someone who's further along than you are that you can learn from is a great piece of advice. Um, something else that I would tell people uh, that are really interested in kind of honing their leadership skills is to be intentional. So there's a quote actually by John Maxwell that says, we don't grow by accident. And so becoming intentional about areas you want to develop, where you want to be, kind of identifying what your skill gaps look like and what tools you need to add to your tool belt would be another awesome piece of advice. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is just to value other people. So uh, kind of the basis of a lot of John Maxwell's content is um, really about valuing other people. And so he talks about leadership is influence and we can't influence people unless we care about them. And so valuing people can manifest itself in a lot of different ways from listening to hear instead of listening to respond or enlisting feedback from your team, but really start by valuing other people, I think is another um, huge step that you can take to kind of develop your leadership skills. I read on your um, on your website this concept about servant leadership. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that's applied in real life? Yeah, so that's that's a great question, and that's a great segue too because um, kind of the way that I view servant leadership is it's an outward focused form of leadership rather than inward focused. And so by outward, I mean, servant leaders are people who care about the success of their teams, about the success of people around them, about the success of their organizations, and they're outward focused on all of these things rather than being inward focused. And so focused on getting the next promotion or your own personal accolades or reaching the corner office. And so to me, that's kind of the distinction between, you know, what servant leadership is and what it isn't. So it's leadership that truly values other people. 
And so again, like going back to kind of the actionable things that people can do to develop their careers, I think starting by intentionally valuing other people is huge. And I think that that will enable you to build rapport, build better connections with individuals. And that is only going to help assist you as you kind of grow in your leadership journey. If people feel like it's difficult for them to value other people because they're inherently selfish or <laughs> don't, uh, yeah, don't put others first. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say, well, just be a better person. Right. But I mean, what are, what are some changes in mindset that folks might think about too? Cause some, sometimes I, I find if I have a selfish, uh, motive, then I might try harder. Um, for example, but also having a selfish mindset, uh, or, thinking about, okay, well, if, what if I own this company? How would I make the decisions? And treating my uh, workflow and work effort uh, like everything is my own feels, again, selfish or self-driven. But um, it's been helpful to uh, motivate or to be proactive in organizations and uh, work on the important things, in my opinion. So, But uh, if somebody's struggling to uh, put others first, do you have any tips or advice around that? So there's a lot of um, great content out there about effective communication. And one of the ways that we can effectively communicate with people is by connecting with people. And so being able to build those connections with other people is super foundational to servant leadership and kind of putting other people first. And so one of the pieces of advice that I would give is to focus and be intentional about building real connections. And by effectively connecting with people, not only are you, you know, putting other people first, um, but you're enabling yourself to build these relationships that at the end of the day will help you out as well. There's a quote, um, I think it's by Zig Ziglar that says, if you help enough other people get to where they want to be, then you will get to where you want to be as well. And so that kind of goes along with that, that same mindset. And so being intentional about connecting, I think is a great way to value other people. And again, that can look a lot of different ways. Uh, so that can look like listening, being an active listener in a conversation uh, with a colleague, really paying attention and not listening to just respond, but listening to actually hear someone. That's an effective way to connect with people. Um, other effective ways to connect with people are being aware of our body language. You know, most communication is nonverbal. Only 16% of what we communicate is actually in our words. And so if we're aware of our body language, that's another way to effectively connect with others. So I would say um, to, you know, effectively value other people, you can start with connecting. But I'll also say, Mark, I think that um, what you said in the question you asked is really on point because we talk about in some of these trainings what the barriers are to connecting with other people. And one of the barriers and one of the common barriers is ego. Um, so that's something that can stand in our way if we're not aware of it, of connecting with others. And so being aware that that's a barrier and then working to effectively overcome that, I think will get you a long way within your career within the industry. 
Mark Heineman is a great example of this. Um, this is how I met Mark. He's a great connector of people. So if you're not part of YP already, um, reach out to Mark and, and join the fun. Thanks, Carolyn. You're, you're too kind. <laughs> With servant leadership, are there any correlations or trends that you see in business uh, or that have been shown in business that for why servant leadership is important? So you guys are probably familiar with Glassdoor, right? It's it's a website where current or former employees can essentially rank their employers or rate their employers in different categories and, and provide commentary. And really, you can provide rankings uh, for companies in kind of three main categories. So the percentage of people that approve of the CEO, whether you would recommend working there to a friend. And then kind of an overall rating on a five-point scale, so one being the worst and five being the best. And over the past year, since I've been kind of developing uh, content for a lot of these leadership workshops, I've spent a lot of time trending Glassdoor data and comparing it to company financials. And um, you will find there are absolutely trends and the way that we lead matters. So for example, I did one study where I looked at 50 different tech companies that have IPO'd within the last eight years. And I kind of normalized their IPO dates. And I compared um, the percent approval of the CEO, the percent of people that would recommend working there to a friend, and their overall Glassdoor rating versus their stock price growth within those first four years after IPO. And again, there's absolutely trends that the companies that are more financially successful that see higher stock price growth have better company cultures. They approve of the CEO. People would recommend that their friends work there. Um, and so again, the way that we lead matters. And it's really interesting to me if you look at that data because there's no outliers on the low end. So companies cannot be highly financially successful with unsatisfied employees. And that's the big takeaway. And so again, the way we lead matters, servant leadership matters, and it matters in a big way because company success in terms of financial opportunities or financial success really ties to these metrics. That's really interesting. So what I'm hearing is uh, while correlation might might not be causation, uh, there are no companies that <laughs> are financially successful and have unhappy people. So even if they're financially successful because they have happy people or good leadership, uh, yeah, or good results on Glassdoor, uh, that's positive also, right? You're going to be happier uh, somewhere that a more successful company. So yeah, that's yeah. that's that's great. Happy people is better. That's right. We all have to work in a in a good, positive environment. And to your point, Mark, um, I mean, if you actually fit an R squared to that plot, you're going to get, you know, maybe a 0.38 or a 0.4. So certainly the data is not suggesting that company culture or happy employees is the only contributing factor to financial success. We all know that there's other factors. I mean, Oil and gas, you know, for example, you're looking at commodity price, you're looking at regulatory environments, you're looking at all of these other things. And so it's certainly not the only contributing factor, but companies are not going to be highly financially successful in a sustainable way with unsatisfied employees. 
there's all sorts of other yeah compounding factors that can make companies successful or not like market fundamentals right (laughs) (laughs) underlying supply and demand uh wall street bets right yeah (laughs) so so christina if someone wants to try and connect with you how do they reach you yeah, so I'm pretty easy to find. I'm on social media. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can find me under Christina Burnett. Uh, Burnett spelled a little weird. It's B-E-R-N-E-T. And on LinkedIn, it's Christina Burnett P-E. Um, or you can check out my website. It's just the Christina Burnett Company, LLC.com. Or you can shoot me an email, Christina at the Christina Burnett Company, LLC.com. But I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. So, and I love connecting, uh, connecting with new people, uh, you know, meeting fresh spaces. And so I'm always uh, game to connect. Absolutely. No, it's more fun, right? I, I've spent a lot of hours, years of my life doing uh, math and science. And while I love math and science, I also love talking to people because like you said, we're, we're human, we're social creatures, and uh, it's awesome. I think it's incredible that uh, in order to be more successful in business and in our careers, we actually just get to hang out with people and get to spend time with them. So uh, cool. Well, do you have anything else for, uh, for our listeners? This has been really helpful for me. Um, anything else to leave our listeners with about uh, leadership, your company, or last bits of advice? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on today. This has been a pleasure and you guys have allowed me to talk about something I'm really passionate about. So thank you again. I I truly appreciate it. Um, I would just kind of leave people with the thought of, um, again, really being intentional about valuing other people, because if we want to be successful in in our careers, if we want to move up, again, the skills that got you there are not what's going to keep you there. And so being intentional about being a leader, increasing your influence and leading with integrity, I think those things are so important. And um, I just challenge everyone to really be a a servant leader within their community. Think about how they can help someone today. And um, I think that you'll find that to be really rewarding as well. So thanks again, you guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us, Christina. Absolutely. Thanks, Christina. Thank you.